2: You're listening to the Live Big broadcast with Bishop Derek Greer, the radio ministry of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. We're so glad you joined us, and we pray that you are strengthened and transformed by God's word today. Are you ready? Let's join Bishop Greer for this classic teaching.
1: All right, put your running shoes on. We're going to be in a lot of scriptures today, but I do plan to be briefer than I've been over the last couple weeks. Many theologians and great minds throughout history have understood the tension that exists, at least they saw a tension between God's love and his justice. God is absolutely just at all times. He doesn't change, but also God's is love. The challenge is, particularly for the thinking individual, how can God love sinners without compromising his justice? How can God be just without compromising his love. It was a mystery that the scripture said even the angels longed to look into these things. Eyes haven't seen, ears have not heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for them who loved. There's no way that the plan of salvation was conceived in the heart and mind of man. It was impossible. We believe that God was just. We also believe that God was love. But no one fathomed the depth of that love, that he would love that much to go that far to establish his justice. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 2 and 8. In my heart, I I believe the Lord was setting up in our worship time our hearts to reveal these truths and I have to correct myself this word does need to go forth and I believe God's going to do some wonderful things Paul writes none of the rulers of this age or world perceived and recognized and understood this the most brilliant minds in history including the apostle Paul Socrates Plato They could not fathom the mystery. Even demons as intellectual as their master Satan was. They were shocked by the unfolding of God's ultimate plan for our salvation. It said none of the rulers, that means zero, perceived, recognized, or understood. He kind of piles up descriptions here or adjectives, adverbs better. For if they had, see, if they perceived, recognized, or understood, no one has perceived, recognized, or understood this. For if they had, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. No one could imagine the cross. That's why that song took us to that place. At the cross, I bow my knee. No one could fathom that God's love for us went that deep, no one could fathom the exactitude or what was required of God's justice. And for both of them to come together in one event was mind blowing. See, God is love, but God is also absolutely just. He will not compromise either of those attributes, characteristics or traits. They're at his essence. They're at his core. They don't change. You see, God's justice required that a penalty be paid for man's sin. But God's love desired for man to be spared in spite of his sins. So hearing that, you would think that throughout eternity, God was somehow at war with himself. Love was fighting with justice and justice was fighting, at, fighting with love. But God is a God of peace. So how could God love man, be just, expect to redeem man, and be okay? Was God at war within himself for all of eternity over his divine attributes? And what would happen with his creation because of him? And the answer is a resounding no. Why? 1 Peter 1 and 18. God was never at war with himself. God was never at conflict with himself. Before man was made, he knew the price that needed to be paid. And he totally reconciled himself to the solution before the creation. For you know, you need to know this. That it wasn't with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from our ancestors. But it was with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. What makes something precious? It's rarity. Water has value, but in our culture, it's not really precious because you can go to any tap and get it. But in the desert, water is precious because it's rare. The sacrifice of Jesus was not just one man dying because he did some things. The blood of Jesus is an absolute rarity that can be found nowhere else. Where the spotless Perfect blood of an individual was shed for others. Man was in need of a savior. Man was full of sin. And there was nothing on planet Earth that could quench it or fix it. So God had to reach into himself and provide something absolutely rare. Jesus is not coming. Jesus is singular in all he is and all he does. He did not just have blood. It is precious blood. When you took communion... The the blood that was being symbolized in that cup was precious blood. It was the only blood that could redeem humankind. Different and distinct in every way. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Verse 20. He was chosen before the creation of the what? Before Adam sinned. God had a plan to restore. Your sin may have surprised you, but it will never surprise God. God knew that Adam would sin and made provision for the sin before the sin. Does God love Adam more than you? God knew you would sin. So in his wisdom, he made provision for the sin before you sin. So every time you make a mistake, every time you err, every time you go astray, know that the price has already been paid, that God has had a plan. Calvary, Jesus Christ was not an afterthought. God didn't, you know, Adam didn't sin, and then God starts scratching me. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Okay, okay, let me think something. Okay, okay, maybe, maybe Jesus. No. When he created Jesus, well, actually, Jesus wasn't created. When he created the plan, if you will. He was absolutely willing. Let me back up for a moment. If I was God and I knew that they were going to hang me on a tree, the odds are there would be no tree on planet Earth. it <laughs> would be some bushes. it would be some vines. There wouldn't be a tree. God knew exactly what was going to be done with the tree, but created the tree anyway. God knew exactly what you were going to do with your gift, your talent with your life. He knew what you were going to do in that private room. He knew what you were going to say in that ashamed moment. But he created you anyway. Why? Because God makes junks? No, because God had a plan. The angels longed to look into these things. Wise men of old, the rulers of this age, were trying to figure out how is God going to do this thing? But scripture says in 1 and 20, he was chosen before the creation of the world. Let's go back up to 18 and let me read it again. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold. You cannot buy God's blessing. Please do not think your tithe is buying the blessing of God. Keep your money if that's ever your mindset. Your tithe may release God's blessing. It may unlock things that are yours, but you will never earn. That's what he releases through your obedience. Are you hearing me? Just clear this up a little bit. I leave my, my children $10,000 and I say, listen, son, in order to get out the ATM machine, here's the code. Boom, 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 boom. They get the four numbers. Now they say, well, because I, I pressed in the four numbers, I deserve the money. You never deserve the money. A tithe is a code. It's a way to release the gift that God's given you. You hear me? But you don't earn nothing through the tithe. It's a code. And once you plug in a number, you better believe that what is yours will be yours. So faith is believing through the tithe you receive the gift. But it's not earned where you can operate in self-righteousness. That was free. Had nothing to do with the text. For you would... You know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your daddies. But with the precious blood of Christ. And then it goes on. There's a comma there. Because Christ or the blood of Christ is being explained using imagery from the Mosaic law or before actually uh, the law. Uh, It says here he was a lamb without blemish or what? This is speaking of the Pascal lamb. And the Passover offering. So he's saying, and yes, you know, uh let let me let me hold on to that. May I pray for a moment? Father, you're almost distracting me. Because I feel you. And um thought I know it's my assignment to preach. Guide me, Lord, so I could get this done. And we could go to this deeper place you called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. You know why we pass out sometimes in his presence and people fall to the ground? Because we can't handle the glory. You see, here I, got, I, got a, I, got a, I have a body that's not resurrected yet, and, and it distracts me sometimes, I know, you know, to, to feel him in this way. And I know you, you say, well, how is that possible? It's possible. But uh, we'll go back to the text. Okay, let's see what we can do. Hallelujah. I remember there was a Sunday I went to preach. We were in the high school. And I stood to minister. God knocked me right on the ground. Power of God hit me so hard. What do you do in a service where the pastor? I mean, it's time to preach. We done sang. What do you do? I and mean, you look up there, and I'm on the ground, and all you what do you do? We had a marvelous and a wonderful. Service, the power of God was released. Okay. Um, I know it's not right to go back into worship, but I'm just in awe of my Jesus. I'll Let's see if I could teach our way through it. Let's see what happens. Thank you, Jesus. All right. We were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He's speaking of the Pascal lamb, the lamb that Moses told the Israelites to offer. Go to Exodus 12 and 13. I just hear Cherise singing, yes, Jesus loves me in my spirit, you know? He loves me. He loves you. The imagery here is, again, the Pascal or the Passover lamb. In Exodus 12 and 13, it says this. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. There's something powerful about the blood of Jesus. Wherever you are, wherever you've been, whatever type of house you've been living in, God knows how to reach you right there with his blood and redeem you from where you are. And when I what? See the blood. When I see a congregation of people, a pastor, a bishop, a deacon, are you hearing me? A mother, a father, believing in the power of the blood. When I see the blood, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pass you over. Did you catch that? You see, I, I, I was supposed to visit in judgment. But when I see the blood, when I see justice paid, I'm not going to forget my justice. Blood has to be shed. But when I see my justice on the door, the blood was shed for the sin. All destruction that was intended for you. All that you deserved and all maybe even a part of me wanted to do. I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike them or Egypt the destructive things and plagues that are plaguing others when you get revelation of the blood a thousand may fall at my left hand ten thousand at my right hand are you hearing me but it shall not come near you they may be on drugs in your neighbor's house They may be about to sign the divorce decree up the street. But when I see the blood. When I see a heart that understands the blood. None of it will touch you. But, But hear this. It may touch your circumstance. It may touch some things in your life. But in spite of it getting to your stuff, as far as you are going to be okay. Yes. Yes. There's a peace that cannot be explained. There's a rightness, a protection that comes on your soul. He said, no destructive plague when I see the blood. In order for an Israelite to place blood on the doorpost, they had to believe what God said. God said, if I see the blood, I'll pass over. So they sacrificed the animal, put the blood on the doorpost, so that what God promised would happen. Scripture said that Jesus is the Pascal lamb. He died to satisfy the justice of God, such that any of us that have the blood on the doorposts of our life could miss the destruction, all the evil intended for us, all the bad intended for us came on him, so that all the good and all the favor to him could come on us. First Peter one and twenty. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times. For your sake. What does it mean, your sake? What does the term sake mean? Literally, it means for your cause, on your account, for your interest, for your benefit. Jesus came to earth not because the father was trying to correct the mistake he made in creating Adam. He came for one reason, and God didn't make a mistake, by the way, when he made Adam. And just because you've gone astray, don't think God made a mistake making you. God knew what you would do, but he had a plan of salvage. Salvation is salvaging. God said, I'm going to make you. I know that some things are going to mar you, but I am again going to salvage you. God, Don't get so theological about it. It's salvaging. God, God, how do you salvage a broken down piece of furniture? You begin to remake the inside, put the new springs in you. Eureka! you, re- you hear me? God salvaged me. I'm saved. I've been salvaged. I have a new inside. You know, those things that were rotten to the core, those things that were bent and twisted. He came in and replaced. I'm a new creation in Christ. I've been salvaged. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times. For your sake, Jesus came for your cause to bless your account in our what interest and totally for our benefit. So if read the Bible differently, everything Jesus said, did, every inflection in his voice, every expression on his face was for our interest, for our benefit. Everything he suffered was for our spiritual account. He was already God taking on flesh. He didn't need anything added to his account. But what he did was add to our account. So when you read the Bible, read it differently. Everything he did applies to you. Read it personally and with a depth. Let's go to Isaiah 53 and 5, which is our banner verse. At the cross, I bow my knee where my Savior died for me. What can separate me now? He tore the veil. He made a way. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Watch this. The punishment that brought us peace. god Jesus already had peace with God. He was punished for one reason. To get us peace. Jesus had to satisfy God's justice, at the same time release God's love. No one would fathom that God would go this far. How great is the love, John said, that the Father has lavished on us. The love of God is not a little pittance. It's not a thimbleful. According to scripture, it's a lavish love. It's an extraordinary. It's it's a love that people would say, you know what? That's a little bit excessive. How great is the love that God has what lavished on us that we should be called sons of God? He said the punishment that brought us peace was placed on him. And by his what? Wounds. We're healed. No one could have ever imagined, angel or demon, the length God would go for you and I. It would be something like, imagine a peasant. He's owned by the king in the feudal days. The peasant, imagine, in fact, a peasant would never do this. It wouldn't even occur to a peasant to do. And I want you to understand, the plan of salvation wouldn't even occur to us. But imagine the peasant He puts down his you know, pitchfork, whatever he's working with in the field. And he bursts into the king's court. He says, Mr. King, you know that I don't like you. I've been running from you for half my life. I talk bad about you. I do bad things. I do things not in the interest of your kingdom. I'm certainly not your best subject. Mr. King, you know what I want you to do? I want you to give me your son, and I want to take him into the village square. And I want you to let me and all the villagers beat him. I want you to let us pull off his beard. I want you to let us beat his back. I want you to let us beat him with sticks. I want you to let us mock and scorn him and and laugh at him. And then after that, your son, King, see, after all, King, you said that we've sinned and that justice had to be served and that in order for things to be made right with you, someone had to die. So, Mr. King, I want you to give me your son. And then once we get him into the square, we do all those things. Then we're going to hang him high and we're going to torture him in the very best way we know. Mr. King, would you give me your son? What mind? Angels or demons could not fathom the love of the Father. Eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, neither has it entered into the hearts and minds of men what God has prepared for those who love Him. We would never even think such a thought. Jesus did not come as an answer to prayer. He didn't come as a solution that we conjured up or prayed for. God saw the need of his kingdom. He saw the need of the men and women who he created. And instead of them calling for his son, he simply sent his son. I'll give you another story. In the Midwest, there was a judge in a small county. And he had a son. And his son was a little bit wayward. And uh, the boy was caught speeding. And the boy was brought before the father's court. And since it was a small town, you know, this was news. What is the judge going to do? Is the judge going to be just? Is the judge going to be partial? Is he going to be fair? Is he going to show nepotism? Is he going to favor this youngster just because he's his son? Let's see the measure of this judge. So, a little town fills the room. And the son is standing before the father, and he's in his black robe. The case is presented against the son. But the father is a just judge. So he hears the accusations, and then he hammers the gavel and says, guilty. And everyone in the town says, yes, you know, we have a just judge. We have a righteous judge. We have a good judge it doesn't stop there. Then the judge stands up. He takes off his robe. And then he walks to that window where fines are paid. He reaches into his own pocket. And he pays the penalty for the boy's debt. You see, on Calvary's cross, God is just. He will not overlook sin. It's evil. He hates it. And it's a just God he has to deal with. But on Calvary, it was God the Father reaching into his own person, reaching deep down into who he was and pulling out himself and saying, I will pay it even if it costs my own son's life.
2: Thank you for joining us today. Tune in again next time as we continue this classic teaching with Bishop Greer. If you want to learn more about becoming a Christian, or you feel that you need to rededicate your life to Christ, we want to walk you through the steps to do so. Go to gracechurchva.org salvation to find out more and watch videos from Bishop Greer that will guide you into your life in Christ. Again, that's gracechurchva.org salvation. That's our time for today. Until next time, remember, you have what it takes in Christ to live big.